Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version. I have today a wonderful host, Molly Watts, who is the podcast host of her own show called Breaking the Bottle Legacy. She is an author, mentor, and podcast host. Breaking the Bottle Legacy is dedicated to helping daily drinkers and adult children of alcoholics change their relationship with alcohol. After living under the influence of her mother's alcohol abuse for most of her life and loathing what alcohol had meant to their relationship, it felt like bitter irony when Molly had to acknowledge her own dysfunctional drinking. She changed her 30 plus year daily habit of drinking and was able to create a peaceful relationship with alcohol. She now, help, she now helps others who worry about their drinking to do the same. She even has a free copy of an ebook that she's offering to everyone called Alcohol Truths, How Much is Safe to Help You Determine Your Risk Reward Analysis for Alcohol. And you can go to mollywatts.com to get yours today. Welcome, Molly. Oh, thanks, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure, sure. Well, we met uh, on a different podcast yep. in a different life. And yep. now your emphasis in your bringing positivity to the world has changed. So tell us about that pivot and why you did it. Yeah, well, so you were a guest on my first podcast called Live Happier Longer. And that podcast was all about helping people develop the habits of a happier, longer life and really dedicated to people at midlife who are starting to, you know, get fearful of what aging is going to look like and was really inspired by my own experience watching my parents take two very different paths towards aging. And so I was talking all this great talk about living an optimistic life and building the habits of a happier, longer life, really inspired by my father, but I sort of didn't want to acknowledge or talk about or really didn't dwell on the fact that my mother's experience really was a reflection of her 40 year plus habit of, uh, not habit, sorry, <laughs> physical addiction to alcohol. And, um, you know, it, it, it ultimately cost her her life. She died of an alcoholic binge at the age, just, just short at, just after her 81st birthday. Mm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So her alcoholism was obviously a big part of my entire life, right? I mean, I was an adult child of, I was a child of an alcoholic. I was an adult, <laughs> an adult of an alcoholic. Um, and really her alcohol abuse, um, formed a lot of the, the, the stories that I held on to about alcohol and her, the way she drank kind of defined what I thought a problem, you know, what problem drinking was. So it took me sometime when I, amidst this two-year project of, you know, focusing on these happier habits, I, I didn't want to acknowledge this very long-standing habit that I had of my own. And that was really my own dysfunctional daily drinking habit. It was hard for me to acknowledge because I never, I was somebody because of, I guess, maybe growing up with my mom, I was very controlled. I didn't like to get altered. So I was mm -hmm. very, you know, cognizant all the time of how much I was drinking, but I was still drinking three to four drinks every night. And just so you know, ladies, <laughs> anyone that's listening, um, that far exceeds the recommendations for low risk drinking. 
um, it was a habit that I obviously just came to depend upon and used it to change how I was feeling every night. And, um, or, you know, and on the weekends, you know, it was a different kind of drinking. And anyway, um, at a certain point in time, I it, it sort of felt like a big imposter, like I was trying to talk about all this positive stuff, but I just didn't want to acknowledge this one little negative habit that was really the cause of a whole lot of anxiety for me all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, at, at, and so in the beginning of 2019, it sort of was one of those moments in time where I was like, there was no, like, I never hit some rock bottom. There was no like, you know, big negative circumstance. And I think that's important to hear because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't somebody who was, was having where people would look at me and think, oh, she has an alcohol, you know, a drinking issue. No one would have known that. No one would have said it. I didn't uh, resonate with a message of being, you know, of having an alcohol problem. And so it really was all about, again, just finding, you know, being my best self, being the best version of me. I needed to address that, that habit. And I really then became to understand what it was costing me in terms of my physical health, my social happiness and health and my financial health. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a person in long term recovery, I can relate to a lot of that. I'm also an adult child of an alcoholic. So I can relate to that as well. So I um, commend yeah, I you. That, yeah, I remembered that you had had a that you were, you know, and I don't I'm not I so that's another it's an it's a weird gray area, right? I would have never um, sought recovery. I would have never uh, that that whole idea of actually stopping, you know, never being able to have a glass of wine for the rest of my life scared me for so long. It mm -hmm. kept me from ever wanting to address the change, changing the habit at all. Right. Right. Oh, I get that. So do you, um, are you an advocate for 12 step programs? I am not, but mm -hmm. I don't, so I am not, not in the sense that I would tell anybody. So I would, I always say, if it's working for you and it has, if it has worked for you or if it is working for you, then by all means, yes, do mm -hmm. it. That's so there you have it. But the bottom truth of the matter, the scientific truth of the matter is that in large, the 12 step programs are not very successful in terms of helping people on a, on a, just a statistical basis. They only have about a five to 10% success rate. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to open up the conversation because it's clear that to me, at least that that is not the only solution. It is not the right solution for many. And if we don't open up our, uh, just the conversation about what other alternatives there may be, we're missing out on helping a lot of people who could improve their lives significantly by cutting back on how much they're drinking. So what are some other things that work? So for me, I, I talk about um, really the behavioral part of drinking, right? So for most people who are misusing alcohol, what I have found is that they're using it to try to change how they're feeling. And they're doing it, using it as a coping mechanism. They're using it to try to de-stress, to unwind, right? Right. And the, the scientific truth of it is, and I talk about science a lot on my podcast, is that alcohol has a very limited therapeutic effect. So it's basically, for most women 
in terms, and I'm just, I'm assuming that most people that are listening to you are women, sorry mm-hmm. guys, if you are listening, <laughs> but I'm going to talk about that is that m- for most women, they're not going to, one drink is going to get you to a blood alcohol content of 0.055. And that's really the, the peak of where alcohol has its most beneficial therapeutic effect and anything after that. And it's just a slow and steady decline in terms of benefit and a much steeper curve for detriment to both the body, the, you know, your, your mental cognition, everything. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of, we tell ourselves a lot of stories about alcohol in terms of how, you know, I need it to unwind. It Mm -hmm. it helps me, et cetera. But the bottom line truth is it's not true. And after about, after a drink, the, your, your neurotransmitters, actually try to seek back homeostasis and get to a level point. And to do that, they boost the the chemicals in your brain that cause anxiety, mm-hmm. that cause you to be mm. irritable. So you've got this rebound effect as you're coming off the alcohol. And then what do you want to do? You want to go drink to kind of try to, you know, it's a never ending cycle, right? Right. So right. It's, you have to learn to retrain your brain and mm-hmm. retrain how you frame. For me, it was learning that I was able to control how to, to, to change how I felt by changing how I was thinking. And that connection between my thoughts and my feelings and my actions was really paramount in how I eventually figured out how to change my drinking habits. Yeah, right, right. Well, I definitely agree with you that different things work for different people. I think that the fail rate for AA is skewed because a lot of people are court ordered to go to AA. And those are the people who typically don't stick around. And I am a big advocate for 12 step programs. And I have been in AA for nine years and in Al-Anon, which is for people who are in relationship with people in AA for um, maybe five years. And I find that Al-Anon is, um, good for anyone who's in a dysfunctional relationship. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone with a chemical dependency. But um, I love the 12 steps as a guide for being a good human. So yeah, Yeah. um, but I respect that there are definitely different ways different things work for different people. So what would you say are the top, um, the top points in the book that you so generously offer? Really? Oh, so that ebook is really, like I said, it's kind of a, it, because I'm really focused on um, science, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that we have some, we have a lot of stories that people and a lot of messages that we receive via the media and everything else, right? So everybody's heard, oh, red wine's good for you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a, this is a, <laughs> this is a, a belief that people want to hold on to because yes. it gives them the reason. And so, and chocolate. <laughs> exactly, right. So we have to, so, I, in the book, I kind of talk about, like I said, I talk about making decisions based on using the science, right? Mm -hmm. And to understand the physical ramifications. And so I talk about it in terms of your physical health, your social health, and your financial health, Mm -hmm. because alcohol impacts all of those. And so you really need to look at it in, from my perspective, using a risk rewards analysis and look at like what your current level of drinking is costing you versus what your future level could, like if you're looking to reduce or if you're looking to abstain, whatever that is. I'm very clear in the book. I'm very clear all the time. The healthiest amount for people to drink is zero. 
Okay. There is no physical benefit to adding alcohol to your life if you don't already drink. But there is benefit in reducing alcohol if you currently do drink. And the guidelines, and I don't think I even said it out, out, out loud before, but the low-risk guidelines, ladies, are no more than one standard drink, seven standard drinks per week, and no more than three standard drinks in any one day. And definition in the standard drink here in the U.S. is a five-ounce glass of wine, a 12-ounce beer that is not a high alcohol by volume beer, so none of your real dense craft beers, and or a one ounce um, spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, there is science to it and you have to pay attention to it. But I also say the bottom line is <laughs> I, I claim the, the tag alcohol minimalist. And really there's no point in time when you're going to be binging alcohol. You're not going to be, you know, it's, you're not using alcohol as a crutch anymore to, um, change how you're feeling. And so I do a lot of work, like I said, both in terms of just the cognitive stuff and then planning ahead and really just changing the habit, getting into, uh, you know, switching it out and making you, uh, for most people, I, I believe the statistic is that even uh, with people that are drinking, that would be categorized as heavy drinkers in terms or in terms of the alcohol use disorder definitions, 90% mm -hmm. of them are not physically dependent on alcohol. So mm -hmm. it's really a psychological dependence that happens first. And that's the part that I think that we really need to focus on. I definitely agree with that. So many times I try to anesthetize my feelings and processing the feelings is the long-term solution. We can only tamp down our feelings for so long without yeah. addressing them. So thank you for your work in that area. I'd like to ask all of my guests this question for this podcast, which is, what do you do to become your best version? Yeah, well, for me, it's been, um, like I said, I, I had to address for myself, I had to address the habit that was causing me so much. I mean, it was a relationship, right? I talk about creating a peaceful relationship with alcohol. That also reflects back on my, my life as an adult child of an alcoholic and my work with my relationship with my mother who is mm -hmm. deceased, right? Mm -hmm. I still, I had to learn that I was, that I was capable of having a different relationship with her now, even though she's no longer here. Mm -hmm. And it's all because of how I frame the past, right? And so this for me, becoming the best version of me means that I really had to address the biggest thing that I've, I've never wanted to address in my life. So I, that for me, it was alcohol for other people. It's going to be something else, but I think all of us kind of walk around knowing kind of there's, there's something right. There's something in our, that's just kind of always been there. Yes. Maybe, you know, that's just, just always kind of in the background of our lives. I kind of say that it's just always, it was always there. Mm -hmm. It was an ever present and for me, figuring out that relationship changed everything. Oh, I completely agree. It totally changed my life as well. So I want to thank you. And are you calling from Oregon? Is that I where you am. are? That I was am. very early there. Thank you oh, so God. much. It's not, that, it's not that early. Trust me. It's not that I feel, and I apologize for, for being a little late. But That's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'm, 
thrilled that you were able to be on this show. And I highly recommend that you check out her website, mollywatts.com and avail yourself of that book in and divorcing yourself from the use of any chemical is applicable to the work she's put into the book. So take a look, follow Molly and start living a healthier lifestyle. Thank you again. Absolutely. Thanks, Maria.